You're listening to Beck and Calling, featuring Whitworth University President Beck A. Taylor. In each episode, Beck interviews influential thinkers, authors, artists, and other leaders who are living out their callings in life and making the world a better place. Well, greetings, listeners, and welcome to this edition of the Beck and Calling podcast. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Today, I have the distinct pleasure and privilege of welcoming to the show Spokane's 45th Mayor, the Honorable Nadine Woodward. Born and raised in Washington State, Mayor Woodward bases her calling to public service on values of hard work and giving back to the community. And as a newly elected mayor, she is prioritizing working with citizens and community leaders to move Spokane forward, as she says, with positive and impactful solutions for today's most pressing issues. With a passion for journalism, Mayor Woodward worked her way through college, graduating from the University of Portland with a degree in communications management. And during her college years, she served on student government, was an editor of the student newspaper, and an award-winning member of the debate team. After broadcast news jobs in Idaho, Nadine Woodward arrived in Spokane in 1990, where she began a 28-year career as an award-winning broadcast journalist on Spokane local television, first working at CBS affiliate Krem, and then moving to KXLY in 2010. And that tenure gave her a front row seat to many of Spokane's uh, leading issues, from the change in city government to a strong mayor system, the revitalization of the downtown corridor, and the challenges of growth and development in our neighborhoods. During her television career, she is proud to say that she made the Spokane community the focus of her work, and she was awarded the prestigious Silver Circle Award from the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, one of the highest honors television professionals can receive. Mayor Woodward and her husband, Bruce, say they feel blessed to have been able to raise their two children in Spokane, spending many years involved in fundraising committees and teaching art and emceeing events and coaching numerous sports. So Mayor, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. These are certainly difficult days for all of us, but particularly for elected leaders And I'm sure this isn't the way you thought you'd spend much of your first year in office. So thank you so much for being here. You bet. Uh, That's that's quite the statement there. Not not in my wildest dreams would I have thought that I would have stepped into something like this just two months into office uh, at a time when I was just learning my role, the job of being mayor. I don't come from a place of political experience. So um, just learning that part of it was a heavy enough lift yeah. until COVID hit. Yeah, I so, bet. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm in my 10th year, finishing my 10th year at Whitworth, and somebody yeah. asked me not long ago, you know, what's something you've been grateful for during this crisis? And I said very quickly, 10 years in the job. <laughs> and <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like, you know, climbing the learning curve and, you know, living in this environment. I certainly want to at some point uh, during our conversation, talk about the pandemic and the ways that you're leading us through that. But let me start with this. How did a career in broadcast journalism prepare you for the mayor's role? What are some of the transferable skills and experiences that will help you lead our city? Absolutely. You know, I have always thought the best leaders are those who listen. And that's uh, the number one skill set of, of a journalist is, is listening. And having been part of uh, Spokane and, the, and a journalist for 28 years, I've gotten to know the city pretty well. 
um, not necessarily on the political uh, part of it or the, or the bureaucracy of government, but definitely on the issues that are important to Spokane. And just to have been a part of that was, was great. And the more information you have, the better positioned you are to make decisions. And um, I'm a communicator as well. And I think uh, our leaders need to be communicators and to communicate out to the community um, what your city is doing for you. And so I was really excited to be able to, as Spokane's new mayor, tell the story of the city and tell this community the story of what City Hall does for the community. And now we're telling a story that I never thought we'd tell. And that is uh, our response to this COVID emergency. Yeah. So when did you start thinking that a career in elected public office might be something for you, <laughs> something that you would pursue? You know, I, I, I've always enjoyed following politics. Um, in fact, election night, back in the day when we went to the polls, physically went to the polls, that was my favorite event to cover all year round. That was the Super Bowl of journalists, news journalists, was election night. So I've always enjoyed politics. As far as entering the arena of politics, um, that didn't hit me till a few years ago. And uh, I got to the point uh, where as a business owner and someone who's lived here for a long time, got a bit fed up with the way we were addressing some of the big issues in the city of Spokane. And instead of just sitting around and complaining about it, being a business owner, seeing one side, I'm talking about crime and homelessness, um, but being a journalist covering it as an issue, uh, decided to stop complaining and, and do something about it. Yeah, well, you certainly jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> As I mentioned in your introduction, you have had a front row seat. You've, you've certainly witnessed and reported on many of the changes in our community over the decades. What are some of the bright spots in that story? Oh, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's uh, how compassionate our community is, no matter what the story is, and especially in times of, of tragedy our community responds. And the thing that always amazed me the most was that those who have the least to give, give the most. Mm. And it just comes from the heart. It comes from being compassionate, empathetic, all of that. We are a resilient community that gives and loves our neighbors. And that's, we've told so many stories in that framework. And those were always my favorite ones. You know, I've lived here 10 years now, and I've seen a dramatic change in even the last 10 years in terms of economic development, the growth of small business, um, the influx of the creative class, I like to call them, uh, you know, restaurateurs and artists and folks who just bring life and energy and richness to our community. I'm not a very cool person, Mayor, but I hang out with some cool people. And they, and they tell me that Spokane is really cool. Of course, you know, the, the, uh, the saying that we have here in Spokane, Spokane doesn't suck, which of course is a low bar, I think. But um, I mean, what have you noticed in terms of just the, the vibrancy and the richness and the activity in our, in our community? You know, now I've been here 30 years. So I, I've seen Spokane grow up. And we are a regional hub. I mean, if you think about it, we're the big, we're second biggest city in the state, but we're the biggest city between Seattle and Minneapolis yeah. along the I-90 corridor. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, we have become a regional hub for all things employment, healthcare, service industry, entertainment, arts and culture. We are it. And uh, we're no longer Seattle's ugly stepsister. I mean, we're really not. We have come into our own. And to have watched that progression over the last 30 years is is pretty amazing. Um, We, before COVID hit, I'm telling you, I was so looking forward to building on the momentum that our former mayor helped provide. Because I think David Condon did an incredible job with our city, with our economy, with economic development, with just leaving the city on solid financial footing for the next mayor. Thank goodness he did. Because we will survive this COVID emergency because of the financial position he left the city in. Yeah. Well, so, you'll have many elements of that foundation and many okay. elements of the scaffolding and building around it uh, when this is all over. Uh, we certainly are praying and hoping for a quick resolution. You mentioned that one of your motivations for public service was you started to see some things in our city that just didn't sit well for you. So on the flip side of the coin of those bright spots, what are some of the worrisome trends in that same narrative you've you've looked at and, and told the story over the last 30 years? Well, when I talk about Spokane being a regional hub for all those great things that I just listed, um, homelessness is certainly one of them as well. And um, the responsibility of taking care of our region's homeless has fallen on the city of Spokane. And we have some of the poorest zip codes in our state Mm -hmm. within our boundaries. Mm -hmm. And they are living paycheck to paycheck, yet they are financially supporting this homeless issue, which we need to work collaboratively with our regional partners to address. But also look at, again, how we're addressing it. We need to have a model of helping people get off the street and into and, and to rehabilitate people, to help empower them to get themselves out of the situation that they are in through whether that's mental help, health help, or um, rehabilitation help for drugs or alcohol, or, or job rehabilitation, whatever it is, job skills training. We need to help re- rehabilitate people to get them off the street and become um, members of society again, contributing members of society, not just warehouse people and hand out sandwiches. Mm -hmm. It's about rehabilitating people. And that's my model moving forward to helping the homeless. And that's what was frustrating to me as I didn't see enough of that. Mm -hmm. And so we're, uh, that, that's, that's, that's a big initiative for me. Yeah, and of course, we'll turn our attention here in just a moment to the pandemic, but um, it even makes it more difficult, doesn't it, to serve that homeless population Absolutely. now. And so we've got a lot of pieces to pick up. Going down to some of the practicalities of your leadership, Mayor, our local listeners will know that in at times in our recent past, the, the Mayor's office and the Spokane City Council haven't always seen eye to eye on things. That's not always a bad thing, of course. I know you'd agree that the best ideas can often emerge out of initial disagreement. Mm-hmm. But in what ways early on have you tried to form a working relationship with the new city council and the city council president, Brian Beggs, who, by the way, you should know is a Whitworth alum, a proud uh-huh. one of that. Very uh, good. Uh, where have you found the most common ground to set some of your early agendas for the city? Well, it was really important to me coming into office to establish that relationship and open the door of communication 
between the mayor's office and the city council because the door had been closed mm-hmm. for some time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I need, I was a fresh start. I, I didn't come to this uh, position with any political baggage. So I felt this, I, I needed to really um, jump on that. And so I just started having meetings one-on-one with the council president all the way through to all the other members. And we continue to do that on a regular basis because I felt if we keep the door of communication open and we build a relationship, we have more common ground that we can celebrate and we need to celebrate those wins very loudly in the community. But having that relationship helps down the road when you need to have those difficult and challenging conversations too. Because if you have the trust built, you can honestly have those conversations. And so for me, that was very, very important. And we, and we operate by two rules. Number one is that we don't surprise each other. Number two is we don't disparage in public. We can disagree, but I'm not going to tear you down because I disagree with you. So that's been extremely helpful. And we do have more common ground than, 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 than not. So yeah, um, it, it, isn't it in the course of building relationships where we learn that we actually have more common ground than maybe we thought we did. You know, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why the public is a little bit disenchanted with politics today is that we, we just see the screaming at one another. We don't see people really trying to form relationships. We expect disagreement in politics. That's not something citizens are afraid of or wary of. It's the, it's the lack of relationship that I think really bothers many of us. And I think people are just exhausted by what they see at the, I'll just say at the national level mm-hmm. when it comes to politics. And I think they expect more of their local electeds. Yep. And uh, I expect more from my local electeds. So um, that's, that's just the bar. I wanted to raise the bar. Yeah. And, I, and I think we've done it. Good. I remember opening the newspaper one morning, not long after you took office with a picture of you sitting on the city council dais. And uh, I just thought, yeah, that's a, that's a good picture. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good sign um, uh, of you sitting there with your colleagues uh, on, the, on the city council. Um, well, I do want to turn our attention now uh, to the current coronavirus pandemic, which is, of course, such a big part of all of our lives. First, how would you assess our city's response to this crisis? Starting my, my new role as mayor was challenging enough. Four weeks into office, my father passed away. Mm. And that was really hard. I was Sorry. fortunate enough, though, that he got to see his daughter yeah. elected to the position of mayor. But um, and it, and my mom is now alone for the first time in 60 years, and she has Parkinson's. Thankfully, she lives in Spokane, so I can take care of her. But um, that, was, that was difficult enough. And then a month later, COVID hit, and our world completely turned upside down. Um, but I thought the first thing we needed to do was to work collaboratively with our regional partners on this, that Spokane wasn't going to do this alone. We had started, we had, we had formed an incident management team two weeks before the regional uh, emergency operations center started. And so we kind of uh, folded into that. And it's been eight weeks now out at the EOC. And that's the Spokane Valley. That's the county. That's the city of Spokane. All the cities within the county. Uh, and it's been a wonderful experience. So I'm very um, proud of our response to COVID. I mean, we're a, we're a county of 500,000 people. Yet our numbers... Uh, 
have not been outrageous. Uh, unfortunately, we have had you know just under two dozen deaths, and you know, our heart goes out and prayers go out to those families who have lost their loved ones and those who have been sick and recovered. Uh, oftentimes, they get lost in all of this. But um, the fact that our healthcare system was not overburdened or overwhelmed. I mean, that's the number one metric uh, outside of cases and deaths. And we haven't had that. We have surge capacity within our healthcare system. We have an isolation facility that has been set up ready to take more than 100 people. We've seen fewer than five people at a time. Sometimes there are days go by with nobody in there. And no one who's gone through our isolation center has um, been tested positive for COVID. Our proactive quick acting response has been extremely impactful. Um, But our economy now, I think we've hit that first goal of maintaining the gain, flattening the curve. Now we have to get to the uh, recovery part of this. And that's where we are right now. Yeah, that leads me to my next question. As you know, there's some in our community who think of reopening the city and our economy as safely as possible and doing it as quickly as possible are mutually exclusive options, and that there's a stark trade-off between public health and economic health. Do you agree with that assessment? Well, I think there's a balance. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than trade-off, I would say a balance, and Mm -hmm. nobody wants to just flip the switch. This is a slow roll. This is a turning of the dial. So yes, we need to open up our economy again, but it needs to be incremental. Mm And it needs to be based on data, and we need to watch the data as we do that. And it, our plan to reopen needs to be flexible so that if we see spikes in cases, we can hit the pause button or we can roll some of that back. But I don't know too many businesses that can survive going eight weeks without opening their doors. And that's where we are. Coming out of this, I hope to God we have as many businesses still operating. Uh, I don't know about that, though. Yeah, not only small business and institutions, but now even our healthcare system. I'm seeing stories of our local healthcare, uh, major healthcare corporations and hospitals uh, going through cuts. Of course, we just went through the flattening the curve exercise, which was a means uh, to save our, our healthcare system and frontline workers. And, and now, unfortunately, because of the shutdown and elective and other, uh, surgeries and other things, we're seeing, you know, drastic cuts. So it just feels like our healthcare system's either getting it from, from the pandemic or they're getting it from the economic blows. Absolutely. And let's just um, thank our frontline healthcare workers who have been, uh, as I say, the front lines of this battle during all of this time. In fact, if you recall, it was back in the middle of February that Spokane received the four COVID patients from that Princess Cruise Line uh, ship long before we had a COVID case in the city and before Seattle had its first COVID death. So we kind of were thrust into this position of of having a COVID response or at least having the conversation of what happens when it is in our community because it was brought to our community. And and those patients all moved on and and have been okay. But it got us thinking much earlier it got us being proactive, and I think that made all the difference in the world. But yes, um, there there is that balance, and I really feel for some of those rural hospitals that are um, having the hardest time during all of this as well. Yeah, you've been uh, advocating on behalf of Spokane with the governor, and uh, uh, I have I have seen that uh, as a healthy collaboration and advocacy 
Um, tell me a little bit about the case that Spokane can make uh, to feed into, to work with the governor's four-stage uh, reopening plan. How can we reopen in Spokane safely and smartly within that kind of context of the governor's sure. plan? Sure. Well, let me go back a little bit before that, uh, if you don't mind, just sure. to... Um, the, just to let you know about the conversations we've had with the governor, even before the ones that we're having now. So um, many of our electeds in Spokane County started the conversation back in early, early April. And that was to um, pressure the governor to reopen residential construction mm -hmm. because we saw that as essential. We're in the middle of a housing crisis here, as many parts of the state are, and we could not see that closing. In fact, I had heard from many people who had contacted my office who said, I have a house that's almost finished. It's They've shut down construction. I've sold the home I'm in now. Where do I move to? I mean, we're creating another, you know, filling that gap. So we got movement on that. The governor opened up residential construction earlier. Then we shifted to the conversation of, well, governor, we have different metrics over here. We have different data over here. We can make a case for opening up sooner than maybe the West Side because we haven't had the COVID impact that you've had over there. Would you be willing to look at regions differently and opening up at different timetables? He wasn't willing initially to do that. It was a one-size-fits-all statewide plan. We got him to change his mind on that. Let's face it, a restaurant can't necessarily even survive with 25 to 50% capacity. They pay more than just the rent and the utilities their biggest expense are operational expenses. So if they're only bringing in 25% of the revenue they normally take in or 50, that's not enough to even open up their doors. Mm -hmm. I've had business owners tell me that I'm willing to defy the governor's order. I'm willing to get my risk getting my business license pulled or even fine. I'm going to lose everything anyway. I have to, I have to put food on my table. I have to try to save my business. So those are the tough conversations that I'm hearing at my level. Our um, conversation with the governor was, Governor, we can, we can go from phase one to phase two, and here's how we plan to do it. We've been working out at our e emergency operations center through a strategic uh, planning group to do that. We have the protocols and best practices in place. We're, we've got the PPEs. We, we've, we've got a toolkit that we can give businesses to help them open up their doors. Um, would you be willing to listen to us? And um, that conversation will continue. He is now saying that we will have a plan for bigger sized counties. We're just waiting to hear what it is because we're ready to go. Yeah, good. Well, you're going to have a residential college opening again in four months. Uh, yeah. And we're going we're gonna to need all of those local resources <laughs> and best practices and other things because we've, we've indicated to our students that we, we plan to you know, reopen in the fall and welcome them back. And of course, we're going to be paying very close attention to social distancing and, and all of the important uh, health protocols we need to. But education is just too important to press pause on. And uh, we need these college graduates to, to complete their journeys and to <laughs> go into business and the workforce and to drive that Washington economy, right? So Absolutely. Yeah. We want our students back and we want them healthy. We want um, their families to know that when they send their child off to Spokane for all of our great colleges in Whitworth, that Whitworth is ready for them. That's right. And prepare for them to keep them healthy. So yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be rolling up our sleeves this summer together <laughs> to make sure that that happens. Yeah. Um, Mayor, last question. As you know, Whitworth is a university that values rigorous education and the integration of Christian faith and learning. 
And in doing so, we prepare students for productive and meaningful careers. We also ask students to reflect on how they are living into their God-given callings in life, uh, like the ways that their unique skills and experiences and passions combine to form who they are and how they're being called into the world. So here's my question for you. In what ways do you think you're living into your calling right now? Well, that's such a great question. Um, you know, when I decided to run for office, there um, in the book of Ruth, it talks about being chosen for such a time as this. And I feel like I'm the modern day Esther because um, that's what got me to run. And now that I've actually taken office in the middle of the biggest health pandemic that we'll ever probably see in our lifetime, uh, I truly feel that I have been put in this position for this time, this place, and this reason. And so I draw a lot on my faith because I can't do this by myself. And oftentimes there are days that feel that will make you feel so burdened that thank goodness I can give that to him mm-hmm. because we're not, as a human being, I just can't carry it all on my own. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've always thrived in the arena in my other career as a television journalist in breaking news. I live off of the adrenaline of breaking news. Right now, I'm doing breaking news every hour of every day. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> That's how I feel. Uh, and, and, but you know what? It's, um, I don't have to do this by myself because... Other than God, I also have an incredible team here at City Hall, and I can't tell you how appreciative I am of the staff here, of my leadership here, and how innovative, creative, hardworking. During the first part of COVID, let me just tell you, I had to demand that they took a day off because they went three, four weeks without a day off. Um, That's how dedicated and public servants, I tell you what, they do this because they love to serve. It's a different kind of servant, um, you know, uh, thing though. And so, but they know that what they're doing every single day impacts their neighbor, their community and where they live. Mm. And so this has just been the best experience of my life. Mm. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing that and know that we'll be praying for you here at Whitworth. And I mean it when I say I'm really looking forward to rolling up my sleeves and working with you for years to come uh, for the betterment of our community uh, here in Spokane. Thanks for uh, taking on this role. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, and thanks for your leadership, especially during this very difficult time. Uh, and uh, thanks again to our listening audience. You can find us, uh, this podcast and many others at whitworth.edu slash calling. Uh, Nadine Woodward, thank you again for your time. Until next time, go Pirates and stay well. Thanks for listening. Find all of Beck's podcasts and video interviews at whitworth.edu slash beckandcalling or follow Beck on Twitter at Beck Taylor.